Halongani, let's first talk about sport and your love for it and how did it all begin for you? How's it Ryan? I suppose just growing up in a family of four boys and playing everything in the back garden, be it football, cricket, rugby, wrestling, whatever it was, it was a highly competitive environment and then from there it, it probably got heightened when I went to Marysburg College and got into a really competitive environment where there's 1200 boys, uh, 200 of you all vying for a team every weekend. Um, so I'd say it probably stemmed from there and yeah obviously you know you go to a school like that with all that history. I um, was lucky enough to play for the first team cricket for a while so you know that, that love for the game stays with you and I suppose that's why cricket for a long time has been my favourite sport because that's it's the one I was probably best at, um, the one I went furthest at, I went overseas and played for a while as well so yeah it stemmed from there and, and obviously if, you, if you're not good enough to go pro the next best thing is probably to to sit somewhere and watch pros around the world and write about them. Being a journalist has a broad scope to report on. Um, do you find that there's more positive situations out there or are there too many negative opinions out there? Yeah, in terms of um, the broad scope of journalism, um, I suppose it's a fine line because, yeah, you know, we all join, do we all become journalists because we're fans initially? Um, and then uh, it's easy to be a fan and, and be positive all the time even when things are, are happening that shouldn't be happening but the flip side of that is that you sometimes become bitter because things are not going the way that you'd want them to go for the team that you support so you can become overly negative um, so I, I think finding that balance and and being impartial you know, is, is quite important for me I've always felt that Whoever you lean towards, whether you have mates in a team or whatever, um, when the whistle, when the opening whistle goes or the first ball is bowled or whatever it is, you've got to take off that friendship hat or that supporter hat and you've got to try and be as impartial as, as, as possible. You, you almost got to put yourself into the shoes of the referee and say, you got to call it as is and, and, and have no bias. It's not always easy to do and there's a lot of opinions out there and, you know, some people are quite forceful about those opinions. So tricky um, and the thing is with social media now everyone essentially everyone becomes almost a journalist because you can have an opinion for free and just chuck it on social media and and see how you know the Twitter sphere reacts to whatever bombshell you drop mm. you have seen many sport matches ranging from school sport and international fixtures which recent match stands out for you that showed you what sport is all about in terms of uh, sporting fixtures that have stood out for me of late. Uh, obviously, I can't get away from the Cricket World Cup final, which was an extraordinary event. I mean, I think we always thought that the 4-3-8 game was going to be the pinnacle of one-day cricket forever. That and the 99 semi-final, but in terms of combination of drama and high scoring. But, you know, what happened at Lords was we are beyond and uh, and even being there and seeing it live we still struggle to believe it because there were so many permutations there were so many fluctuations and right up until the last ball there were still three results possible and the unlikeliest result was the one that was the final result and you know seasoned journalists sitting all around us and, and none of us really knew what would happen if there was a tie within a tie 
it was just the most extraordinary event. Um, but then coupled with that, um, I'll go back a few months where I watched a a crazy under under ten. So it would have been late last year, an under ten fixture, cricket fixture, St Charles against Ladsworth actually. Um, and um, having been a leg spinner, uh, I saw the coaches chuck chuck the ball to one leg spin on one side and one left arm wrist spin on the other side. And they literally took seven wickets for nothing. Um, and it just emphasized for me that the fact that it's an art that should be encouraged and it's not encouraged enough because they literally came in and cleaned up and, and none of the batsmen knew what was happening. They kept on walking past deliveries, playing down the wrong line. It was just a magical 15-20 minutes and everything was gone. Um, but it just emphasized for me why it's important to encourage youngsters especially to be different. Not everyone must bowl fast and not everyone must try and bat technically correct. You know, the guys that stand out are the weird ones, the leg spinners, the Murrellis, the Steve Smiths. People that you see and you look at and you go, oh, that's that's unusual. Those those are the guys that generally stand out because they're, they're different from the crowd. So, uh, yeah, weird as that may seem, those are my two probably biggest sporting highlights over the last year or so. School sport seems to be going in one direction as well as forming Super Leagues. Looking at the bigger picture, are we doing enough to ensure that there's consistency throughout our systems or was there an approach where people look after the area and leave it at that? Yeah, I think the danger for school sports and the over-commercialization of school sports and the emphasis on results and one-upmanship on your traditional rival has pushed it into a dangerous sphere now where um, you know 16 17 year old boys are becoming almost professional athletes and almost taking away the purity of playing sport for fun like like most of us grew up playing you you're playing under pressure every week the same kind of pressure that you know a sharks player or a lions player has because uh, your teachers and your coaches expect big performances but your parents also expect it because they're looking at the next paycheck and saying that you know if you perform well here you might get a scholarship there then we don't have to worry about bills it's a it's a very dangerous line at the moment and, and obviously we've seen a few schools now don't even play each other that played each other for decades simply because the the guy next door has become so singularly obsessed with results and they've now become a rugby school or a cricket school or a hockey school or whatever it is not focusing on becoming a well-rounded school that provides boys and girls the opportunity to grow up as normally as possible. Wow, yeah, that's a very valid point that you make over there in terms of schools not playing each other anymore. It's actually quite sad to see. Rugby, amongst many, is regarded as the dominant sport in South Africa. Would you agree with this case or can we see another sport climbing higher up the ranks? Yeah, in terms of the most dominant sports, um, I think obviously in terms of sheer numbers, you can't argue against football, but the reality in South Africa, I think, in terms of uniting or dividing a nation singularly, uh, there's nothing like rugby, I think, on a, on a day-to-day basis, especially you'll see now with the World Cup, win or lose most of the country has an opinion on it and when you win it's the greatest place to be when you lose we're as divided as anything because you know rugby's for all sorts um body types speed power size so there's always going to be different theories on on how we should be 
beating the All Blacks or winning the World Cup. And when when your opinion um, stands up more, you know, you've got more to say and it is the most divisive but it is the most uniting at the same time so it's fascinating um and i think i think you know you could just look at even just this weekend how it played out in terms of um the all black game it was um it was yeah it was a good good advert for rugby but also a good a good social social activity uh, social sort of test i suppose experiment because the optimism that that preceded the opening whistle um uh, you juxtapose that with the opinions from two o'clock onwards on saturday afternoon until deep into the night you know the rusty rasmus got the most difficult job in world rugby because you you know you got 31 players or whatever that you're dealing with but you've also got 60 million opinions and every one of those opinions think they're right and they know better than than you yeah no it's difficult um <laughs> if one believes that we are right because we South African, so yeah. Cricket South Africa has decided on a new structure for management. How do you see this fearing for the current players and the emerging players in South Africa as a whole? Yeah, I think the, the new structure of, of Cricket South Africa, you know, when you have as disappointing tournaments as they had at the 2019 uh, World Cup, there has to be change. And the thing is, um, <laughs> it's a blueprint based a lot on on England, who won the World Cup with that structure. So you can see where they're coming from. Uh, the implementation of that will be interesting. It's important to see who they get into those positions. Um, I wouldn't tamper too much with the first class and the franchise structures because those do seem to be producing players. So I think the fear is that if they go back to 11 provinces, it might dilute the quality. Um, but you know, the players, new new tournaments like the Mzansi Super League have shown that the talent is definitely still there. So you've got to believe in that, and and the the the, the talent is there, but also the the hunger to play for your country. You know, a lot of heads are still not being turned. Yes, there's a lot of players playing Colpac cricket, and good luck to them. But those that have stayed behind. There's still opportunities for the guys who play well and, and, and stand out. And a lot of them are taking those opportunities and doing well. Varsity cricket, football, hockey and rugby is a step in the right direction. What are your thoughts on the various competitions and are they living up to expectations? Yeah, I think the various uh, Varsity Cup competitions are are long overdue. Um, and the, you know, the, the guys that have put them together, I think Francois Pino is involved. It's a great idea, um, and you know it, it's reinvigorated playing for your varsity again because guys were were suddenly being taken from school straight into the the pro ranks or under twenty one sharks or province or whatever it was, and you were losing that dynamic of varsity sports, which used to be an integral part of of your development as a player before you became professional. So in that sense, the fact that you know there's the bright lights now, it, it's leaning more and more towards the American style of college football or, 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 or you know college sports, where it really, really matters a lot where 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 you've gone to school. And and obviously you know the underlying fact is that you had a varsity, so you should be getting an education out of it as well. So anything that ties sports and education together can only be a good thing for the country. You have taken quite the luck to golf. That has nothing to do with the time you spent in Scotland, does it? 
No, golf-wise, um, I suppose the love emanated from, yeah, cricket. Um, uh, a lot of cricketers tend to play golf, and actually the first set of golf clubs I got was from a guy who's on the Sunshine Tour at the moment, Neil Skirikat. We used to play cricket together in under-14s, and he sold me his junior set for 50 rand, um, which was still probably about a week's worth of pocket money for or two weeks worth of pocket money maybe even back then but he technically gave them to me and um they were blades so i learned the hard way and i've just fallen in love with it since and it's the one game that you can play until you you can't walk i suppose and even then you can still play it so uh yeah i loved it and and then obviously going over to scotland this year was was almost a spiritual experience because that's the home of golf and, and, and seeing all those great courses and, 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 and meeting people who are like-minded and just absolutely obsessed with the game of golf uh, was fascinating and it's something that I want to do over and over again. To end off with, um, is there any sporting competition that you're looking forward to and, and why? In terms of sporting competitions that I'm looking forward to, um, I'd have to say that I'm looking forward to the Olympics next year. Um, I got a first taste of it in Rio a couple of years ago and I didn't quite understand when people said it was the greatest show on earth and then I went there and I saw it in person and it was yeah, it was three weeks of just fairy tale upon fairy tale. So I'm looking forward to going back knowing what to expect, what to look out for, but also knowing that you don't know what you're gonna see because athletes raise their games and their levels significantly for the ultimate stage whether it's world records or upsets or you know sometimes it's eight years of sacrifice coming down to 10 or 15 seconds um, and that sort of dedication I think is, is something that's very inspiring and just to watch anyone who goes and qualifies for the Olympics is already a hero in my mind so to see all those stories manifest themselves over one crazy month is um, something that I'm really looking forward to. Lungani, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. It's really good to get your perspective on sport and where it's going. And I wish you all the best and I trust you have a good time uh, watching the sport and commentating on it and doing your thing. Thanks, Lungani. Cheers. Yeah, it was my absolute pleasure, Ryan. Thanks very much. Cheers.